You're listening to Inside Out with Turner and Seth. Great episode here, and we have multiple artists. Multiple, yes. So I have to be on my game and pointing out the music. That was Cold Shallow Moon, as is all of this music that you will hear on this episode. It's from Terminal West, except... Well, I guess Nick performed for us solo at Terminal West. At Terminal <laughs> West. Thank you, Terminal West, for hosting us once again. Um, that's Cold Shallow Moon from the Voodoo Visionary set with Casey Cranford sitting in. Casey Cranford from Big Something, of course. And uh, we're going to hear a bunch of uh, Big Something music on here on this episode as well. And um, it's 51918 Terminal West. Great show. Available on nugs.net. Mm, Terminal West, for those of you who don't know is an amazing Atlanta venue. Lots and lots of your favorite bands. Lots, pretty much almost all the bands that are on our show have played there or do play there. So you go to uh, the homepage of nugs.net and uh, you click on shop, click on browse artists, you scroll down, you don't have to go very far, you find big something. Uh, The Big What, their big festival is coming up. It'll be next weekend from this uh, broadcast. Seth? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. we talked about the Big What a lot last year. It is an excellent annual festival in North Carolina, hosted by Big Something. Hopefully many of you are already on the road on your way there listening to this. Perhaps That's you are. one of the reasons why we waited till this Monday to release it. Give you something to enjoy. And for people who are on the fence, do you want to sit at home listening to the radio all weekend, or do you want to go see a great festival yourself? Or for those of you that are you know, home because you couldn't get into Curveball. Well, turn turn the car around. <laughs> August 16th to 18th. Yes, the same weekend as Curveball. Big something. Sun Squabby. Talk. The badass. Wonderful. Talk. I want to interview the drummer, by the way, Seth. That that talking McGee wanna, set. You want to talk to him. Well, he we was it. singing more and playing in a different way. and I'd really like to get into his brain a little bit. Corey from Wolfpack is playing solo. I think... I don't think he's done that that many times. I don't, I don't know if he's playing solo, but he's got his own project going on. Consider The Source, uh, who doesn't get south enough. They're playing there. Uh, Mr. What is Big Something featuring Mr. And by the way, we speak about Mr. in this episode. Mr. Mr. Sundown Nomad. Hello. Um, let's see. Big Who. Big Something playing The Who. I hope they play Slip Kid. You know, I hope they go deep in the catalog. You know? How many friends have I really got? Dreaming of the day I can re- control myself. Who are you? I like the deep cuts in the Who. They've got a lot of really good stuff that you don't hear on the radio. Nah. Well, maybe they'll just do the whole uh, deaf, you know, the movie. What was the movie again? Sipping cocktails by the blue, red, and gray. But I love every minute of the day. Osiris. Yes, Osiris. We're proud members of the Osiris Pod platform. Thank you to Relics for allowing RJ and his crew to do their uh, couch reports on the Relics uh, Facebook site. Which, if you go backtrack, you can hear Rob talk. I was supposed to call in, but they had technical difficulties, or did they? Uh, but Rob did a fantastic job on it. And oh, folks, if you. you're coming out to Curveball, Fisher's Curveball, definitely come out. Uh, well, we will put out through social media, let you know. We've got a couple meetups where uh, some of the other Osiris uh, podcasts are going to be there, and we'll be hanging out and giving away stuff and hanging, just meeting everyone. I was on after the second Alpharetta show. They were amazing. And I took all these notes because I didn't, I didn't want to let RJ down and Dwyer and the gang, my favorite fish fans in the world. Um, but we really didn't get to talk about Soul Planet. 
and um, I really was knocked out by Soul Planet. You want to talk night. about at the uh, end? So of at the uh, end, I want to read my notes and see if we can decipher my notes during Soul Planet. Oh, speaking of notes, hold on a second. I want to make this, a good thank you to our good friend Robert Pole Pole Clark, amazing Clark, yes. accounting firm. Folks, again, we say it all the time. Pole Clark, get that name in your head and get them on your books. Did he get you your ticket? No, I, get, I got him his ticket. Oh, okay. I know you guys are sitting together because I was down front. I, of course, being the great guy that I was when Seth was alone in the last show, I went and, and hung with Seth even though I missed the Petrichor. Well, I was on the lawn for the Petrichor. Alone. Then he went to the bathroom and left me. He left me. I couldn't Yeah, I hung with him. Carrie. Seth, you disappear. You're terrible. I give you clear-cut oh. places to be. <laughs> outside of the bathroom, and I stood there like, you know, one of those people that are no, waiting I for someone. I got Carrie Romanoff. Uh, you can't. No. Sorry. Any rate, we'll an save this for the for the outro. We sat there and waited for you. If you're Still ever at if you're ever at Verizon Wireless in Alpharetta, as you face Still the stage, waiting. you want to meet people at the bar on the lower level on the far right. On yeah, the yeah I'll meet you at the bar. I'll meet you at the bar because then there's a little hangout area and you're away from everyone. No, but Seth can't be bothered. That's all right. At least I got insurance. Go on. He's a fucking rock star. Oh. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> oh. Anyways, thebigwhat.com. <laughs> There's so many other great artists. What? Um, well, including that- Voodoo Visionary. And Mike from Voodoo Visionary is a part of this episode. Nick was so kind to sit down with, with, uh, with us and have this conversation. Because, you know, a lot of times bands don't want to sit down with bands that are smaller than them. Yeah, but you know, it's, the, the Voodoo is a couple feet back from where Big Something is, which is a couple feet back from where, you know... Humphreys is, which couple be fact, you know, keep going down the line, right? But Rob, you've been a big advocate of connecting with these younger bands, and this is a great example of that. And to be able to bring those two together, one is able to learn from the other. This, it was really nice. Voodoo Visionaries heading up north at the end of August. High Brewery in Charlotte on the 28th of August. 29th, Gypsy Sally's. They're free on the 30th. They would, they would play a gig somewhere between D.C. and New York if you want to book them. There's a little tip. There's a, there's an inside-out tip. Book them. Then they're in New York at Drum uh, on the 31st of August, and then they probably be talked into playing something September 1 or 2. They're also playing in Tuscumbia, Alabama. Joe Stock. Ooh, you know, we, I want a big shout-out to uh, John John out there. Thanks for listening. And if you're, uh, you live in Georgia, they're good old days place that we always Seth and I always talk about. I love to go there. I don't think Seth has been there. It's See, I always get Georgia. confused. You talk about the place, and I just talk about the good old days of Tallahassee. Right. Well, this is a great place, and Voodoo's <laughs> just about to to out to outgrow it, basically. So September 21, if you want to see that. And then two cool festivals, the Seeds of Sound Music Festival. It's going to be Voodoo, Visionary, and Friends in Sparta. That one's in Sparta, Georgia, Seth. Sparta. Sparta. Well, you know what, though? I got my first kiss there. Is that right? Sparta kiss. What was his name? Ooh, you know, Rob. And October 20th at the Terrapin Hop Harvest. Uh, that's a Terrapin Brewery event. Terrapin. I think they're Green Green Brew or something. I don't know. I'd love to have them as a sponsor and know this stuff. Um, but anyways, that is it. Um, well, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, I, I'd oh, like wait, to say sorry. another thing, though, is that at one point during the show, they, they really, Big Something played a great set. This is at Terminal West. And you got toward the end of the second set, and they were just on fire. They did their like best poppy little tune, and then they do this song that we're about to play a little piece of, and we'll play some more of later, called Amanda Lynn. And at the point, I, I was just thinking, wow, Atlanta's really starting to get big something, because it's been frustrating. 
Pick something comes down here. I don't think they're appreciated enough. They play these little small rooms. Well, and crush Rob, the people who love them, love them. And at Terminal, it really seemed like people. But the were, reason the, why they started grabbing that is because they've been placed right. Remember that Sweetwater gig, Sweetwater Four Twenty Fest. They've been they've been having some good placement. Also, they're they've been getting great exposure. Uh, their booking agency and management, PGA, are doing a fantastic job with them, getting them in the right place in front of the right people. Uh, so you know, there's a buzz around them, and rightfully so. So we'll lead into the interview with this. With what? This is right when I thought was thinking with, that. With something? This is how Nick did the intro to Amanda Lynn, and you'll hear this. You'll hear a little bit of Amanda Lynn, and then to our interview with Mike from Mike Wilson, guitarist of Visionary, and Nick McDaniels, the frontman and the force behind Big Something. Everybody feeling good? I'd say Atlanta is quickly becoming one of our favorite cities to play these days. So thanks, y'all, for making us feel at home tonight. something and we are in the the private room across from terminal west thank you so much terminal west for letting us use this We're, they're basically letting us into their private offices so that's involves that involves a good bit of trust i'm trying to imitate the train that we normally hear yeah we interviewed mark brownstein once and they put us up on the balcony and it was going great and then all of a sudden oh my god we couldn't mystery, hear that. mystery train came smoking around the bend yeah but uh, God, well, can I, I just want to say it's a it's a real pleasure to sit down both of you. Um, we've we've had the pleasure of knowing you all for a little bit, um, mm-hmm. and we had a nice uh, 
beer factor this summer. Or I know it felt like summer because it, it was like the winter, summer, but it yeah. felt like summer because we were in the you know the, the Mexico. But here's such an interesting parallel, and, and I know Rob will get into this as we go. But big something is at such an amazing space and growth, and I find that Voodoo Visionary is on the path. On that same mm. path. And so uh, we, for the both of you all to sit down like this is, is very exciting for us. Yeah, a lot of musicians won't, wouldn't, don't want to do cross interviews like this. So seriously, we really appreciate it, both of you yeah, guys. That's Thank cool. You. Yeah. I think every band's kind of had to pay their dues and be where we are at at a certain point. And yeah. I remember, you know, when we were first getting started, you know, it's, it's part of it. When did you first hear, hear of Voodoo Visionary? Uh, our friend Bill... Who goes by oh, Blues Bill? Yeah, yeah, Blues Bill. Blues Bill. Oh, my yeah. God, yeah. Jam Cruiser Blues had, Bill. Had been uh, putting the name in my ear for, right uh, for a while. Um, I've love. never actually seen you guys, so I'm, I'm yeah. excited for the show tonight. Yeah, Remember when we interviewed actually. you last yeah. year at Sweetwater 420 Fest? Yes. So it was late at night, the night before, and I saw Blues Bill, and he gave me a bunch of notes to like ask you. And and then like two and typical Seth fashion, he didn't bring them. No, yeah. <laughs> two days it was on my phone. I brought them. I just totally forgot I had that conversation. Like two days later, Bill's like, "So did you ask those questions?" I'm like, "What questions?" He's like, "You wrote them down on your phone." I'm like, "Oh." In the future, people, if you want these kind of questions asked, you give them to Rob. That's but right. Let's yeah. start with common ground. Uh, most obvious DJ Logic played with Voodoo Visionary on our show, mm-hmm. and you can watch the Brooklyn Bowl with a fantastic set. Big something did, and he came cool. out and played for an extended part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys, talk about DJ Logic first, collaborating with him. Um, well, I mean, we did like with DJ Logic, we did the uh, tribute to Funk over at City Winery, and uh, we had him sit in on. I think we had him sit in on Watermelon Man. Yeah, a couple and- of years. We, we did played on the super, show. I think we did Superstition, too, with him. And it was actually cool, because I've never jammed with a guy who's working on turntables before. So, like, honestly, when you get in, like, an improvisational space, it's kind of like, well, I'm just going to let him do what he does, and I'll figure out how I can kind of blend in with that. It's kind of like percussion. Yeah, almost. well, he also, like, you know, when he, when he scratches, it's like, I figured out that me and him, at one point, kind of got into, like, a... Uh, I was I would call it a scratch duel, but I was like doing it with like a wah while he was mm-hmm. scratching, and me and him were kind of like percussively going back and forth with each other and call and response. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, it was awesome because I mean, he's like the nicest guy in the world too, and um, and he so, listens. And he listens really. Yeah, I mean, it was like we. I mean, we never played with him before. It was definitely like just like a true blue sit in, mm-hmm. like in any you know the truest form. But um, yeah, I mean, it's like it was that was pretty awesome getting to do that. How did you like playing with him, Nick? The first time we met DJ Logic was at a widespread panic after party in Wild Wilmington. Yeah. <laughs> widespread panic. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> um, hey, DJ Logic, meet Nick, Nick, meet DJ Logic. <laughs> um, we had never met him before or done any, you know, shows together, but we just happened to get put on the same bill for an after party that night after the panic show. And, you know, we met him and, and hit it off, and he was really very humble and just very chill. Um, and we kind of ended up doing this like back and forth switching of sets where our set would flow seamlessly into his set and he ended up sticking up or staying up on stage with us during a lot of our set and he sat in on one of our songs called Megalodon which I've always thought would be perfect with the turntable and mm-hmm. as soon as he hit it with us it was just like wow this is so cool yeah. and we actually invited him to record uh, the studio version of that track with us on our album Truth Serum, and uh, did he accept that invitation? Oh yeah, yeah. It, I, I love how that track came out with with him on it. He uh, he definitely laid it down, and ever since then we've been good friends and 
have done a few more collaborations. So, mm-hmm. you know, Rob, I don't know if you know this. Uh, DJ Logic uh, was my wedding band. We brought him out to Jamaica. Yep. So awesome. I've got my in-laws and my my family, my old Jewish mother, and uh, <laughs> oh, he's such a nice man. Yeah. <laughs> and anyway, so my story and real quick is DJ Logic uh, met some Jamaicans and started like getting some like new Jamaican music and one of the tracks he kept playing goes vagina and like my mother's going and the guy there's just like oh no oh no hopefully he's had a couple glasses of wine by the time that song was being played our last name's Weiner yeah so that's great so Rob the next area of common ground is turquoise Yes. Which you, when they played your Big What Festival, yes. we'll talk about more, but you, you were very effusive about them. Mm-hmm. And when they saw Voodoo Visionary, they became mm-hmm. effusive about Voodoo Visionary and have invited them up to record at, uh, what is it? Galaxy Smith Studios, yes. correct? Yes. Oh, really? I didn't know that. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. They've, they, they recorded their first album well, here in Marietta, but now they're going big time, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. We met... So we did Funk Fest down in Punta Gorda, and uh, we played the Funky Biscuit the night before. And um, we basically... Our good friend Coach, who I'm sure... Coach, another, another another one tied to Wild yeah, <laughs> to yeah. Bill and Jam Cruz. I think everybody knows Coach. And, <laughs> um, but he came out, and you know we haven't seen him in a while, and he actually brought... Michelangelo came out there, and he ended up sitting on, on a... Um, uh, Holy Ghost, the the um, Bark Barcase tune, and came over there and sat in with us on that, and and we hung out with him. Michelangelo's awesome dude, and we played Funk Fest, and Scotty ended up running into Dave, and they started talking and started pitching these album ideas that we had going on for um, this thing called Atomic Alchemy, which is like a in depth thing. But basically, Dave was like, I I'm actually interested in in doing this, and um, right he invited on, us to come up there. Yeah, we were like. I'm yeah, imp- we found that out. We were like, "Sweet!" <laughs> I'm impressed. I'm impressed with Dave. Yeah, good, good ear, Dave. Yeah, Dave, Dave's a really nice guy. And yeah. I, I, our friends, the Fritz, have rec- I think rec- just recorded their album at okay, that same cool. studio with him, and it turned out awesome. I was just talking about the Fritz because they knocked me out in Sweetwater. Mm-hmm. I was hoping yeah. that you guys could hook up we've, with them. We've, we've all, I think, I think they're they're kind of. I mean, you guys. They're from Asheville. Asheville, so yeah. yeah. Same stomping grounds. We played with them before. and Great band. They're an incredible band. And Jamal is a beast on keys, man. So now going into the studio, what's your mindset in terms of um, with the producer and whatnot? Are you looking to be molded and sculpted, or are you looking just for someone to produce your sound? Well, I think it's definitely like having that influence. It's like, you know, we are definitely talking about having Dave produce it and... um, you know, we have these songs and we definitely want to have the influence because we're obviously huge Turquoise fans and we like the way that those records sound and we like what he does. So it's definitely like want to go in there and show him the music and then have a definite influence on like if there is something that can be changed that would make it better, then it would be awesome to have his opinion on it for sure. And how open are both of you to someone like that coming up to you and saying, hey, I know you play it like that, but do me a favor, try it like this. Is that how, what's that feel like? Is that uncomfortable? What's a, what's the process? Um, well, we've recorded every one of our albums with a producer who's a good, become a good friend of ours named John Custer. Um, and th- there's a big difference between a producer and an engineer. So that's an important distinction. The engineer is kind of like the equipment manager. The producer is mm-hmm. kind of like the coach. So it really depends on the person. You know, if if you've got a coach that you work well with that you can tell, you know, knows what he's doing, then it's yeah. it's awesome to have that outside influence kind of like saying... 
embrace who you are as a musician, you know, embrace your flaws, embrace, you know, like that, that's what I love about having a producer. Get up, Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, yeah, I think I agree with that. It's like, I, I think to a certain extent, I mean, unless you're like, you just, unless there's one part of a song that you wrote and you're like, absolutely want it to be that way. Um, most of the time, I think it's always smart to listen to the guy who's been, you know, cutting the records for a good while. A good producer too is gonna help elevate the band and not necessarily just come in and take over. You yeah, know, he's gonna kind of be flexible as well. Yeah. Is there any producers out there that you're like, man, one day I gotta get with this guy? With if this guy got or this gal got it with my sound? Uh, and does their name rhyme with Faneuil Canois? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I don't even, I don't even know. I, what's, uh, whoever did Panic's last record is John, John Keane, John Keane. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would love to, I'd love He's to do awesome. a record with him. I mean, I, just because, I mean, Jimmy Herring's guitar sounds killer and like, that's like, that whole record sounds great, but working with him and from what I understood, like Jimmy working in, with him was awesome experience. I'm a hesitant ass Nick this cause I know. Custer's such a big part of your sound at this point, and that there's a con it's, it's a trade off because there's a consistency to your CDs. Sure. So you want to try something different, but big something CDs sound like big something CDs. Right. Yeah. Well, um, maybe in like the context of a side project, just pipe dream here, but I have recently learned a lot about Dr. Dre as a producer. He must have just listened to our Jesus yeah, episode. We talked to Jesus. Nice job. Thanks for listening. No, it's part two. We haven't released it yet. We, we got a little bit about his process out of him. Dr. Dre is an awesome producer. Yes. Uh, and, I, you know, I, that would be really cool one day. You know, probably will never happen, but. Uh, uh, you never know. He sits the he's, music. He, I think he just started working with another big influence of mine, Anderson Pock. So he's oh, helping no produce the next Anderson Pock album, oh, which is going to be awesome. I like when, like, kind of famous artists kind of take on other artists under their wing like um Sturgill Simpson and Tyler Childers mm -hmm. um you know he just I just found Tyler's out about Tyler Childers he's actually. awesome yeah it's so cool yeah you mentioned Sturgill Simpson I can't help myself because you're wearing the Trondasa hat did mm -hmm. you see him play with widespread pan I I didn't I unfortunately did not see the sit-in but I saw Sturgill's set the first day and was completely blown away yeah he's tremendous yeah, yeah. it's like Jimi Hendrix as a country artist you know? it's like <laughs> that's, that's well said yeah Let, let's get back to Turquoise though oh, because what was their, um, how did you find them? And then, uh, and then talk about them playing at the festival and collaborating with them. Just started listening to them. Um, I, I guess I discovered them by word of mouth or online and felt like they would be a great band to have at the Big What Art Festival. And um, we had them two years in a row. The first year there were a ton of like technical difficulties during their set. So I was like, we got to make this up to them and bring them back the next year. And... That was last year, and it was unbelievable. They, it was so great having them there. Um, their manager is a friend of ours too, um, Jason Gibbs, who used to manage Dopapod. Um, and they're all just cool guys. Michelangelo, mm -hmm. the drummer, is such an amazing drummer. He's the nicest dude yeah. I've ever met. I think just a great sound, such a professional band. Um, and you know, I, I love funk music, and they're one of the best doing it right now. Yeah. Now let's talk about Big What because we're going to be leaning on Voodoo Visionary to start their own festival at some point. At some point. One mistake we're... you guys made was it, when you first started it, you took, tried to take on too much yourself. You didn't have enough support. Can you talk about that a little bit and, and be cautionary and, and advising in so doing? <laughs> well, uh, you learn by making mistakes. So yeah, um, that's part of it as well. It's 
Man, throwing a festival is such an endeavor. It, yeah. You really need a good team around you. Um, and speaking of that, you should. I noticed you have a Google form for your volunteers. I might suggest festival. Plug. Boom. Done. <laughs> hey, I'm the first guy. I'm the first guy to give Seth hell. But festival is very cool. Very good thing Seth has created. I'll make a deal. Go on. Though. I'm unfamiliar, but I will have to check that out. Um. So yeah, you know. Now you have this team of amazing people. How did you find them? How did you know who to, where to find them? How did you know who to trust? And how, much, and how much of this event is you guys producing or, or you guys oh, they're just... They're hands-on. They're hands-on. Full hands-on. Oh, yes, right? Yeah, we, we, we pretty much do everything. Well, I know one of the guys fixes the Porta Johns because he's the plumber in the band. <laughs> what was his name? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> let's, let's let him talk, Seth. Let's let him... Um, you know, we've been doing it for seven years now, so it's, I can't, it's hard to, it's all such a blur, but, um, how did you reach out? Word of mouth? Advertising? Well, um, there was like a little venue in North Carolina called Possum Holler that had a lot of their own little events. So we became friends with those people and then kind of usurped them into our festival. Gotcha. Um, and now we're like all best friends. Was so this when you had so the a old lot name? of times when you had the old name, um, we started playing some events with the old name uh, that with that crowd of people. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's it's such an organic thing. Like people will come to you. You'll you'll reach out to other people. You know, you you just have to make good decisions and and trust your gut. And but but really, the important thing is to get a good team in place and make mm. sure that all the different aspects are kind of being handled, so you don't have to. So it doesn't fall all on. You know, someone in the band's shoulders. Per se. And keep in mind, Rob, these guys have a lot of good support. I mean, people like Lee uh, from Homegrown. So when a guy like that gets behind, then you're tapping into a wide world of, of a network of uh, festival um, workers. You know what I mean? But now they do a beach one. Find people who are passionate about the band and their music yeah. and that want to help. Because right. th- those are the people that will do it just because they want to do it. And, and it's not like they're looking for a gig to get paid. You know, they're... Right. they're have there a long because term they believe they want to grow with you not pay me now they're there now. because they believe in it you know yeah. um, give the event some soul too don't just make it a music festival for the sake of a music festival if you're a band putting on a music festival make it special you know? make it, so on that note like what how would you define that special in your event in the big what um, well we try to make it um, a very communal thing and, and embrace that spirit of the fans coming together with the band and you know participating in different activities and um just making it a a really good friendly atmosphere where there's you know we we like to pride ourselves on our hospitality and make sure that everybody's well taken care of um you know it's it's a festival for the sake of a party and to have fun but i feel like with the big what there's a little bit you know of a deeper meaning and a deeper purpose to it for us at least in terms of why we're doing it as a band you know mm-hmm. it, it brings out creativity it brings out new material it gives us a, something to really like kind of push ourselves it, it, we like to think of it like a, a big art project you know where we're like creating this thing that it's the only time you've done a full improvisational set right correct how did that go it was awesome it's really fun we're thinking about doing more of that um but without an outside conductor with, but just doing it with like kind of because last year you brought in uh, Matt Butler right? we had Matt Butler oh, we were was, talking about yeah, that yeah it was that's really cool. really cool and I think that's one of the only times he's ever like done just a straight set with a band and not a c- 
collective, you know, a collective of people. Yeah. So is Voodoo Visionary Mike thinking about a festival around here in Georgia? I, I know a spot in Canton. I'd love to show you if you are. Yeah, I think. I mean, it's definitely been talked about because that was definitely like our management. We've sat there and talked about how, like, in the next year or two years, that like going forward, we're definitely going to try and touch on that. But it's definitely just kind of like a. It's an idea right now. He's like, fuck a festival. I need a booking agent first. <laughs> yeah, man. I was going to say, yeah. I need Which, a by the way, Jennifer, well, you're the, listening. I'm just saying. <laughs> the festival can lead to, yeah. to... What comes first, the festival or the agent? The manager. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. I guess we had a booking agent uh, when we around the same time that we started doing the festival, but it, they were symbiotic. Um, yeah. You know, we're excited to have Voodoo Visionary at the Big What this year. That's going to yeah, be awesome. It's it's gonna first be time we're having them. So. Yeah, I've never been to the festival. Big What either. date is, uh, what this date? August 16th through the 18th. And you can find this at thebigwhat.com. The lineup is Sun Squabby, Talk, of course, Big Something. That's without a doubt. Corey Wong of Wolfpack. So not the whole Wolfpack, just the Corey. We mm-hmm. are. Uh, you got the long run. Very proud of the fact that we booked Wolfpack to play their first festival ever several really? years ago. And Is it was that right? right? It was right around the time that they were just starting to blow up on social media. Wow. And um, we got them like right at the perfect time because now we could never afford them. But ne- yeah. oh, and oh, and if you try to, their manager doesn't respond to emails or phone calls. They, oh, there's a lot of those. They were yeah. notorious for that. I'm not sure what it was about my email that got through, but uh, you're he, Nick McDaniel's for Christ's sake. Well, said. no, I, you know he. he it was Jack that I was working with directly, the the guitar player, yeah. um, and kind of the man behind the project. But um, he was super cool, and it was it was awesome. You know, have Consider you ever listened? To, to, oh, go ahead, sorry. Have you ever listened to Blank Tracks on Spotify to support yeah. them? <laughs> yeah. Listen, oh, oh, the Sleepify? Yeah, mm-hmm. that, I love that idea. You got Consider the Source. You got Mr. What, which is big something featuring Mr. Who's Mr.? Mr. is a hip-hop artist from Detroit that is... Um, featured on our new album and he's a good friend of ours that we've known for a while he's awesome he's one of my favorite hip-hop artists out there right now and then you got the big who which is big something playing the who correct that should be good slip kid come on you got (laughs) funk you (laughs) funk you another uh another band that's uh that's on the verge here Mm -hmm. on the up-and-coming from georgia as well i believe i believe so yeah (laughs) if they show up joe hurtler and the rainbow seekers i haven't heard these guys yet but um they just supported pigeons playing ping pong for like their whole uh, tour uh, this winter um, and they're really good I, I really like them they're going to be a great like sunset kind mm-hmm. of as the sun is going down type set for the festival how appropriate because the next band's perfect for the morning and this band's uh, Hasidic Jews called Dr. Bacon yes <laughs> Dr. Bacon <laughs> Becca Stevens Laser Wolf uh, Groove Fetish The Southern Bells Treehouse Comeback Alice which is a big band you like Comeback Alice don't you mm-hmm I'm thinking of Moon Owls. Oh, I always thought you said Comeback Alice. Comeback Alice. Uh, a band called Voodoo Visionary. Yeah. <laughs> Scott Moss Band, Emma's Lounge, The Kind Thieves, and South Hill Bank. So you mentioned, we talked about the bands. You mentioned some of that activities. Mm-hmm. Um, if you need an activities director, I know enough, one. But enough. What, <laughs> what kind of activities are you going to be doing for Rob? Um, well, we don't have them all ironed out this year, and some of them will be uh, surprises. I think a lot of people kind of help us by just sharing ideas with us at this point uh blues bill is actually making a giant human foosball oh cool oh, i like that awesome. yeah, it's always fun i want to meet blues bill you he knew him you met him He's... man you met him oh sorry um, sorry bill I've, i love you <laughs> i've heard rumors of a possible giant ufo being there with laser tag inside but oh, that's that, cool. these are just rumors at this you gotta point. make that an art bell tribute yeah. <laughs> i was telling you about art bell a radio legend who just oh, passed yeah. away did, um, did the paranormal 
And he would do, he would be overnight. And by the way, what about a sunrise set where you do the other side? Yeah, Ooh. yeah, yeah. Because their album, their uh, tum- the one before the, with Tumbleweed, is mm-hmm. it called Tumbleweed? Yep. That's about a post-apocalyptic world. Mm-hmm. And then th- the other side, which you just released, is uh, kind of continuing, and the sun's coming up. Yeah. And it's part dreary and part hopeful. It's very, sure. very intense. Yeah. Um, not to get heavy, but your get heavy. Your longtime coordinator, who co-wrote a lot of these songs. Uh, uh, passed away suddenly, isn't that correct? Paul Interdonado. Inter- yeah, Paul um, was my. Yeah, Paul was, was uh, my best friend uh, in chat. You know, when we were growing up as kids, and he's actually the reason I started playing music. He he started learning guitar when we were kids, and he was like, "Man, you should learn how to play the drums, and we should start a band." And if it weren't for Paul, I don't know if I would be doing this right now. Um, and then later on in life, we started hanging out again and writing songs together. Um, and he really helped kind of imagine the identity for the band. You know, a lot of our, you know, more popular songs were, you know, from his imagination. Um, and he, he's like a Robert Hunter, Bernie Taupin, Tom Marshall kind of guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, super, I mean, I don't think I'll ever have a friend like that again because, you know, when you work creatively with someone like that, um, you get to know each other in ways that you couldn't think possible um we had a really unique friendship um and unfortunately he passed away the day we were setting up to record the other side Mm. and we found out that night and then had to record the album which was definitely difficult but also kind of therapeutic in a way because they were you know the last songs basically that he ever wrote for the band um so could you feel him we could definitely feel his spirit there in the studio. And, uh, at, you know, anytime I sing one of the songs now, I, it, it feels like he's there with me, which is cool um, to have that, you know, kind of force behind the music now. But um, it was tough, but it gave, it gave me something to really focus on during a difficult time. And, it, you know, that album basically became a tribute to Paul, and, and we wanted to do the songs, you know, justice and... and make the best versions of them that we possibly could so have you been composing at all since uh that's been tough um not really you know i have notebooks and notebooks and recordings and recordings of old stuff that never got released so i'm excited to kind of dig through that when the time is right um we put one of his voicemails at the end of the album so you can hear his voice at the end of the album and we had our friend Leslie who's an awesome painter uh, do a portrait of him to go inside the album Um, and then we dedicated our show uh, at the Big Wet Wilmington to him as well which was our CD release party so um, as far as future compositions I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes Paul in a sense kind of taught me how to write so I think I'm going to carry a lot of his inspiration with me from here on out. You know, I, I, he changed the way I think about writing songs, you know? Um, so I feel like his influence is going to be with me forever. Um, what, why did he pass? What happened? Um, well, you know, there is a, uh, problem in this country right now, a pretty serious problem with, uh, opiates and, uh, you know, it got the best of them. I'm sorry. Yeah. Mm. I know many that struggle with that. Yeah. You know, it occurs to me, I don't even know who Voodoo Visionary's biggest non-band member influences are. You, Rob. Who, who, who helped you write songs? And 
Um, <sighs> inspires you. I mean, we we have a very. Um, I mean, we all write in the same room together. Um, there might be like you know small ideas or even sometimes full songs that are like brought to there. But as far as like non-member influences, I mean, man, I. I we we used to well in the very beginnings like we like had like a Zach Robinson was like our we used to have two guitar players in the band I think you know about this and everything else and actually Zach was like when we first started playing together and this is like ten years ago um, like he was a he was an even better guitar player than I was like back then like I was like always like trying to just catch keep up with him and he actually had like a very um, advanced vocabulary in writing and he actually uh, wrote. A lot of the parts in like Salt, uh, that middle section was Salt, and um, and a lot of those songs off our first record like are definitely like ideas that like he came up with. So from there, but he was a he was a member of the band at the time. Um, uh, as far as non-band member influences, I off the top of my head I can't necessarily like think of of one in particular, just because we we've written everything in the same room together. So I want to change gears a little bit. To what extent? Because I've dealt with the Triangle local press. I used to work with a band <laughs> called Flying Mice. And it seems like if you remind them of a certain artist, you're great. If you remind them of others, you're an asshole dismissive. How supportive has North Carolina press been of you? Like the scene zines and that sort of thing. I'm asking Nick first, and I'm going to ask Mike about <clears throat> Atlanta next. Um, we kind of started working with a publicist, which has been a new thing for us um so it's been interesting um it really depends on the writer some of the writers are awesome and do a great job and then you know I, there was one article that i did recently or interview that i did recently where i was like horribly misquoted pretty much everything i said was like whoa i did not say that see uh, that doesn't happen on podcasts Right. <laughs> I, well, he, I, I asked if he was recording it, and he said yeah. he was, but whatever he transcribed, I did not say. Yeah. Um, and it just, it, I really didn't like the way that it made me sound. He should retire, um, whoever that is. We joke yeah. about it now. Like the, the medium now was really... <laughs> like, it was about our New Year's Eve show, and uh, it was something about the Where post- was that, Lincoln Theater? Lincoln Theater in Raleigh, and it was something about the poster artwork. And he quoted me as saying something like, this show is going to be really cool because there's an astronaut on the poster. I really like astronauts. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't say that at all. So now we always, there's an inside joke in our band now is that I like astronauts. Yeah. So kind of like, I like turtles. I like yeah. astronauts. Why'd you draw a blue duck? <laughs> <laughs> Never seen a blue duck. Yeah. So I drew a blue duck. How much support is, uh, is the Atlanta press giving Voodoo Visionary so far? Um, Has Creative Loafing done anything yet? I don't think we've had anything done in Creative Loafing. I mean, I know we've just, like, from the normal, like, social media outlets, we've had, like, some good coverage. And we have, like, people like Jake Funkenmayer, who is obviously, he he's at every show. And he the does Business some, Chronicle? Business Chronicle. We have, well, Phil Hudson. Like, oh, Phil. That was Phil Hudson. He's a good Phil. man. I love Phil Hudson. I love Phil to death. But tell us about Jake. Uh, well, Jake, you know, he's just he he goes to every sh- every show. If it's if it's funk related or Tower Power related, then he's going to be there. And um, he's and the he's, one Seth who was at Buckhead Theater got attacked by the by the the that 
musclehead guy who was trying to record Carl Denson. The guy was so out of line. Oh, we, the big guy. I we had to get yeah, Carl yeah. Denson's tour manager to come over and tell him to calm down because he didn't know the difference between a, a mic stand and a selfie stick. Which, oh, and then he tells me, I've been doing this for 15 years, which is like, dude, why don't you do it for 15 more and then brag about how <laughs> yeah. long you've been in the business? Come yeah. on. Go ahead. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, Jake, is, Jake is a great man. He's spreading the music. He'll probably be there tonight. And he definitely be there tonight. And, um, but yeah, we just like, kind of like met him and like, he, and he always posts stuff on funkcity.net and, and that's always good. And, um, I'm trying to think about, um, well, and then outside of this is like Scott Hopkins, like music fest news. Uh, we love Scott and he always writes like awesome reviews about our shows and that's like, great. Yeah. And you guys have probably met him too. I mean, he's like, he's like the nicest guy in the world. And, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's usually on a social media front. Like, we actually have had some good press, but not, nothing in like creative loafing or anything like that. The Business Chronicle thing, I think, was like we had a write up in there maybe a year ago. I don't even think Phil's working for the Business Chronicle. Sorry if you are, Bill or Phil. Um, but yeah. Now, the Big What also went. I want to go back to that because we didn't really talk about the Wilmington thing. It was a, go for it. It was a little under a month ago, right? On the beach. A couple, three weeks ago, yeah. Is that what you're wearing? Or is that uh, something different? No, that's Peach Fest. Oh, okay. I thought I said Beach. Yeah. I was like, oh, Beach. Peach but it says Peach. Okay, sorry. You played Peach Fest up in Pennsylvania? We did a couple years ago, and we'll be back this summer. Excellent. That's yeah, a awesome. good festival. Yeah, yeah we're excited. Um, and that'll help you in Philly. So, Beach, though. Where, what's the beach about? Well, my concern, just being honest, I mean, at what point do these festivals become dominate your time and, and you leave you with not enough time to nurture the band apart from them? Uh, you're referring to the Big What Wilmington? Well, the two of them. Now you have two. That seems, to, it seems sure. like twice well, as Well, the Big What Wilmington is kind of a different beast. Um, it was way easier on our end. Basically, um, you know, the, the Big What, the actual Big What itself is a camp out where we put together everything and we're very involved with that. With Big What Wilmington, we kind of book, help book the lineup, but then it's at a venue. There's after parties at other venues. You know, the logistics are all kind of already turnkey you know they're they're in place where we didn't i was able to sit and enjoy myself at that one you know that that was really fun so that one was easier than the actual main big what it it was really just a way to um kind of take the idea of the big what and take it on the road and and make it a two-night run at a venue just a more special event have you ever played with the big woo uh, we played the same event, but we've never done like an actual show together. Speaking of nice people, those are the type of people that when other bands would come to Minnesota, they'd be like me and hanging posters all over town and supporting really? them as if they were their own band. Yes, yeah. those are good people. Yeah. As a matter of fact, Humphreys McGee, before they played Summer Camp, the last festival they played was the, whatever they called it. The, yeah. What, did, what was it? I, I forget. Know, the Big Woo Festival, yeah. I guess. Yeah. How about some gig nightmare stories, Mike? You already told us one about Birmingham. <laughs> Can you guys give us each uh, a gig nightmare, a voodoo and big something gig nightmare story? You know, I, I guess, uh, well, I don't even know if I told you guys the other one. Like, this has been from two years ago. It's like we uh, were coming from Kentucky. We played a festival in Kentucky, and it was a super humble festival. I can't even remember the name of it, to be honest. I thought that was the name, Super Humble Festival. Yeah, Super Humble Festival. <laughs> I swear to God, we're humble. Um, but we pull out, yeah. We're the most yeah, humble yeah, people yeah, anywhere. Exactly, yeah. Fuck yeah, everyone yeah. else. We're the most humble. Yeah, but uh, we, we got there and it was like, you know, they, uh, Zach Deputy was playing, which was cool, but they, uh, it rained and there was a bunch of, it was super muddy and we pulled in there for load in and um, we actually, uh, we actually got, right when we pulled up, we got stuck. And they, like, we literally like turned around trying to back up and this guy walks by and he's like, y'all stuck, you might as well get out. We're like, all right, well, I guess we're walking our gear in from here. And uh, later on that night, we, uh, 
and we were sitting there like we have to get to the next gig because we had to be in Chicago the next night and uh, we, we could not get out of there when like this guy who had like this hot rotted golf cart I guess I don't know what he did to this thing but we tied it off and uh, he actually pulled us out with that golf cart and um, that was amazing enough but the next day we're driving and we're actually driving down the highway the guy's still holding on sorry yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah no but the, we're driving down the highway and I'm actually driving and um, we uh, I looked to my left and there was a wheel that just shot across the highway and I was just like, oh my God, like somebody lost their wheel. And let alone I look back and like our trailer wheel had shot oh. across the highway. Thank God this thing didn't hit anybody because it would have been obviously a nightmare on a whole nother level. Uh -huh. But we obviously, I freak out, I pull over the side of the road. And we, uh, thankfully, we were, I thought we were in the you middle of nowhere. You walked all the way to Chicago? Oh my gosh. We, we looked at the closest trailer, you know, place where you go buy a trailer. And there was one 20 minutes away. And we were like, that worked out. So we told Jimmy and Scotty, we were like, you guys stay with the stay with the trailer. We're gonna go buy it buy the new trailer, which pretty much shot the tour under right there. It was like, you know, I don't even know, like four thousand dollars under. But anyway, while we're buying this thing though, we get a call from Jimmy and Scotty and they go, Hey, uh, the cops are here and we were like, Well, why are the cops there? And the police apparently told them that while Jimmy and Scotty were sitting on the side of the road smoking cigarettes, a woman drove by and thought they were trying to steal everything out of the trailer <laughs> so they called the police and uh the police showed up and like, well if you see anything suspicious they yeah tell us. yeah i was gonna say yeah and um so you know we tell them like we'll be right there because originally the idea was we were going to take everything out of the trailer and pretty much ditch <laughs> the other trailer on the side of the road and of course that is you, you can't do that apparently right. and um <laughs> And thank God we had the uh, the title to that trailer in our car because they wouldn't take it if you didn't have the title. Yeah. So it was like four thousand dollars later plus one hundred and fifty bucks for them to take it off take it off our hands. But that was and then we had to be in Chicago. Uh, we were six hours away and like the load in was in like five hours. Which reminds me, uh, Voodoo Visionary will be in New York between August thirty first and September tenth. <laughs> you have any gigs? They've only got one set up so far. Although this won't run for a while, maybe by then you will. But book Voodoo Visionary and help them pay for stuff like this. Nick, I know you've got nightmare stories. Road trouble is always, you know, the worst. That that creates a nightmare in and of itself. Um, I'm going to go a different direction with mine. Uh, we were playing another humble festival uh, called Pasture Palooza in Virginia. Um, good friends of ours put it on and it's actually a really great event um, they do a great job with it um, we were in the middle of our set and we were playing and I just remember you know it was going great and then all of a sudden the beat dropped and the drums dropped out I'm like what the hell just happened like did we just train wreck and I turn mm -hmm. around and I see our drummer Ben on the ground just like the look of shock in his face and then my i look up and i see this gigantic like eight foot tall woman like just like godzilla ing on the stage oh like she had come on stage and not tackled ben off of his front <laughs> foot mid, andrea the giant mid song and i'm pretty sure she was hallucinating on something and she just kept yelling i just want to play i just want to play and she took all the basically all the security guards jumped up on stage and it took like five gigantic dudes to pull this woman Jeez. off the stage but she had grabbed all of the xlr and mic cables and 
the like clench of her fist and like she had the strongest grip on these cables that you've ever seen like they were like five dudes bear hugging her trying to pull her off the stage and our keyboard player Josh is like (laughs) pulling up her fingers one at a time (laughs) (laughs) obviously starting with the middle finger (laughs) mid mid set mid song uh, oh man it was definitely one we talk about I just want to play I just want to play (laughs) I've been that girl. <laughs> she left in an ambulance. She left in an ambulance, and uh, she was okay. But uh, wow. that was funny for sure. Uh, All right, now I want while I ask while I, I want to bring up three big something lyrics from the new record. But right. while I'm doing that, you, Mike, I want you to think about what little tidbits you can give us about this forthcoming recording. What songs might be on it? What little things. I'm just trying to keep focus Which isn't easy as it seems Being careful with my words And traveling in between reality and a dream Where everything is a blur But it's not a deterrent It's just kind of absurd That no matter how many times I've been deserted by the past and the future The biggest hurdles getting caught up in the current Complicated but certain Something is coming of it I covered it in the unknown And covered it with the sun It's helping me to function Helping me decipher what's insightful to fight for, point of any assumption, but I'll be all being, it's all about feeling, I'm feeling, and this is that necessary healing, I think that you can see, it's no longer a secret, is anybody out there, holla if you hear me, wow, she got me creeping through the sunrise, oh Lucy, wow, Helping me decipher what's insightful, what to fight for, void of any assumptions. Point of all, point of it all being, it's all about feeling. I'm feeling, and this is that necessary healing. This has a universal feel to me. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just talking talking about a post-apocalyptic. It's talking mm-hmm. about now as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's the gift that you and Paul have. Aren't we kind of already living in an apocalyptic world? You're paralleling, yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. Um, I did not write that. That is actually we were we spoke about our friend Mister, the hip hop artist from Detroit. Um, that's actually his verse that he wrote. Excellent, Mister. Um, for that song, Sundown Nomad, uh, and he's actually featured on the the new album on Spotify. Um, that's the only track with a third with someone other than you or Paul having a credit on the record. Correct. Yep. Uh, his real name's Brian. He's a super nice guy, um, but he wrote that. We debuted that song at the big what last year and he wrote that verse and came and performed it with us but 
Um, I, I love that whole verse is, is awesome. I love performing it myself. It's syllabically really cool. And the, the kind of meaning behind it fit perfectly with the song. So, And wildfire, you can only circle the flame for so long until you burn up and fade away. That's a Paul lyric. Is it? Yeah. We um, all have to be careful what flames we circle. I mean, that could, that relates to so many different things. I could mm-hmm. talk about, I mean, so many different things. I mean, just the, um, you know, the eventual end that is going to come for everyone and for, you know, the universe, the planet circling the sun. You know, it's meaningful in a lot of different ways. And then the cave. Mm-hmm. I can see your reflection. Always on the water in my mind, shining through prisms of mist and broken light, and all the pressure turns to diamonds. The cave confuses me a little bit because uh, the character I always feel is alone. Is the character hallucinating? Is the character talking to himself? Well, um, the cave is kind of about uh, an internal cave. Okay. As opposed to an actual literal cave. But, you know, the imagery works kind of the same in my mind. Um, But it's... It's kind of a meditation or like a personal reflection, um, you know, and I can see your reflection, you, you, your in that sentence is, it could be referring to a number of different things. Um, you know, when I sing it now, I kind of think about Paul, uh, having just lost him, but, um, you know, it could be, a an old, you know, lover, uh, you know, mother, father, uh, someone that you may have lost. Um, it, it's more of an internal cave that is happening in that song. And Given the way songs are just out there sometimes and you just have, a, have to have a pen, mm-hmm. it seems like if he were ever going to reach back to you, it would be through the creative process. Right. It seems like that's the key to you moving forward. And that's a cool example of one of our songs, too, because that's one where, like, Paul and I kind of wrote it together. Like some of those lines were Paul lines and some of them were kind of ones that I tweaked a little bit. So um, that's a lot of our songs are like that. So Mike, give us tidbits. Come on. Voodoo fans are going to listen to this. <laughs> yeah. What? Well, I mean, it, so how, how many brand new songs are, are post off the ground? There is, there are like 10 ideas right now, but there are two full songs that are done right now. Um, and one is the foundation and one is rings around the sun and we are rolling with this atomic alchemy concept, which is, um, I actually like heard it on like a planet series and they mentioned atomic alchemy, which is whenever like the sun is constantly creating and breaking down matter. And, um, it's, so it's constantly creating and destroying. And so the whole point of like a lot of the points of like these songs so far has been about creation and, you know, destruction pretty much. And it's like how these things have to be like a unifying concept and how all things, you know, it's kind of what we were just saying is like, it's like there's always an imminent end. Um, But there's also like a lot of unifying concepts like love and, you know, friendship and everything else. And with Rings Around the Sun particularly, the song, um, the song is about, You'll hear it, and it sounds like I'm just talking about like the Saturn, like the like uh, rings around the sun, 
but there's actually like a uh, subtle like innuendo reference in there about how it's actually about finding the ring, which is actually about getting laid. Mm. <laughs> but it's talking about universal. Yeah, I was gonna say. But the thing about Hole it is, in one. Yeah, but it's about love, and it's also, but it's like you know, it's like Scotty would obviously articulate Scotty this. Vocals. Yeah, he would articulate this better than I would. Baby making music. Yeah, exactly. And um, but the foundation is also about. It's like you know having a foundation is like a solid ground for building anything is like that's what's necessary at least from what i've taken from it thus far but um but yeah i mean that's the thing about these records is like we've always i think it's also finding time whenever you're busy playing and playing more and playing more festivals is that you have to actually you know find carving out time to actually keep writing is like it, it gets harder and harder so it's like doing it on the road talking about I me mean, there's times we sit in the van and like scotty will literally just be sitting there writing and we'll be sitting there like, well, you know, because Scotty can write for days and it can be about anything, you know, but we'll sit there and try and quantize it to something that can actually fit in a song. So it's not like a dissertation or anything like that. Um, but the new record, like I said, there's two songs that are done right now, but there is um, about 10 more ideas that have not been fully done yet. And they don't even have lyrics yet. All right. I want to keep you from soundcheck and, and you're going to regale us with a song. But I, I, I end with this because I'm a I'm a collaboration hybrid dork. Oh, are you? Yes. I love when bands collaborate with one. Is there any chance tonight at Terminal West? Thank you again, Terminal West. Is there any chance people sitting in with each other or anything? Jesse sitting in with Voodoo or, or him sitting with you or whatever. It's, mean, always yeah, it's always possible. It's always possible. Yeah. yeah. We, we love collaborations, too. It always brings a new energy to mm-hmm. the. Their percussionist, Jose, is a force of positivity. Really I indeed. highly recommend him. Absolutely. He, he uh, lifts any room he walks into. Would you agree? I agree. We started putting him in the front. <laughs> really? <laughs> but we, we did for a couple of gigs because like, somebody came up to us. They're like, they're like Jose is always smiling. I'm like, I guess the rest of us aren't. I've been, I've been called a grumpy cat before. But people are like, he's just so focused. But like, he's definitely like the smiley guy in the group. And we, there was a couple of gigs where we just put him up front. Um, or at least right next to like the horn section and stuff like that, and people have loved it because he's just. He's do you have the horns tonight? We do. Yeah, Mar- Martin and uh, Martin Anderson and Ben Otiano will be playing with us tonight, which will be awesome. So Food get some, for thought. So yeah, there's you know lots of horns your, going on. Your favorite big something collaborations ever, Nick? Oh my god, I was thinking about this the other day. It, it blows my mind because I it, I forget that a lot of this stuff even happened. Um, we had all four members of Wolfpack sit in with us. Oh, nice. We had uh, Jake Sinager play with us from Humphreys McGee and Chris Myers enemy of the show and Chris Myers he's <laughs> not an enemy of the show just a joke <laughs> um, we pissed him off we had uh, Jojo um, panic. from Panic play keys with us on Jam Cruise Barrel House kind of New Orleans thing well, we did "Sympathy for the Devil," and then he sat on, and then he sat in on the next song, which was just like a big open jam, um, which was awesome. It got really wild. Um, we had Kamasi Washington's Ooh, female vocalist, yeah. not Kamasi himself, but his, <laughs> We're all his, I, I know yeah. she's great too. Though. Casey actually did a jam with Kamasi on Jam Cruise, and it was so cool getting to see him play because Kamasi's like one of his biggest influences. Um, but what did she, what did she do with you? She just did some improv vocals with us on that same jam that JoJo played on. Awesome, which was really cool. Yeah, um, God, that's already just such a crazy. Um, list right there I'm sure there have been others um, you know let's see Zach Deputy sat in with us a bunch we love Zach um, yeah he, that old R&B voice comes tumbling out of that body yeah mm. yeah for sure oh, God, I know there's been others but those those are the ones that come to mind right off the top of my head 
Well, thank you for your time. I don't want to hold you from soundtrack, and I do want to hear a song. So yes, for we're sure. Gonna, we're going to end this here. Right. Mike Wilson, Nick McDaniel, so nice of both Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you yes, so thank much. You and uh, shake hands. Make up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> and great things coming from both bands. Yes, uh, indeed. If there's anything we can ever do to help, do not hesitate to ask us. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Appreciate it. All right, let's go ahead and set up for uh, some playing. Your presence caught my eye And I spoil you later, let's have some fun As we dance, I felt the romance The sun's gonna burn Right up by our side With each passing turn Our bodies collide Okay, that was what we just heard immediately now was Rings Around the Sun, one of the two brand new songs that Voodoo Visionary played that night at Terminal West. And um, I hope you enjoyed that interview and the little Sundown Nomad interlude within and the story behind that verse that knocked me out. Pretty heavy stuff. I didn't want to push the Paul Internato. You know, Paul Internato is a big part of this band, a big part of the creation of these songs you said something the other day rob let's just get to cut to the chaser you said something the well, other it's day. Another you thing. said something to me the other day about how how challenging it must be for a band to lose a songwriter right i can't imagine the grateful dead losing robert hunter in 1969 or something you know it's just a very very tough thing and i had asked nick about it beforehand and said is it okay if i ask you about this and he said yes but he's such a nice guy and again we he get really back. is one of the, he really is, you know they say yeah. some people are like oh the band you know the musician is so nice that truly genuine he really great is dude. a down-to-earth really cool guy and but you said that the first time we met him too that was your big takeaway and but again we get back to the carl denson thing where i like doing these interviews in person because you read the person and i got the sense really quickly that as much as he was saying to me he had said to me 
and was trying to indicate to me that he was fine talking about Paul Antonato. It didn't seem like he was. It didn't seem... It seemed very upsetting to him, and so that's why we kind of moved away from it. Maybe sometime down the road we'll talk about it more. But now, Seth, we get to the point where um, some solo neck. Oh, yeah. So let me paint the picture. We were going to... We're, we're like basically in like in the break room of the Terminal West office. So like outside of Terminal West, et cetera. And, and, you know, like I'm not an engineer by any means, but we're trying to mic things up. And again, he's got sound check going and he it was beyond it was time for him to go. But he he wanted to give us this time. And again, I'm so great. We're so grateful. And hopefully you'll enjoy what he did because it was spectacular. Do you remember? I mean, Rob's jaw was on the ground. He was drooling. He was in such awe. It was like he was watching John Shane with David uh, Bromberg and Bob Dylan all in a hot tub. That'd be a show. Can we make that tour happen? And can we have Shane play in the middle? (laughs) I told you guys. All right, so a little more taste of this new Voodoo Visionary song called Rings Around the Sun. And then Nick regales us with a couple of uh, couple songs on his own and a little more a little more insight from Nick too. So let's let's get inside out.
up in the sky Experiences with what now? UFOs, personally. No, not really. Uh, Any stories of people who have? Our producer is huge, you know, UFO enthusiast, fanatic, uh, whatever you want to call, uh, John Custer. Um, so, you know, I hear all kinds of crazy stuff from him. Uh, you know, we're all kind of sci-fi geeks. Um, Casey and Josh especially, you know, love all that stuff. And I, yeah, I think, um, you know with as big as the universe is that there's no way that they aren't real you know all right the cave here we go
Stumble home, and now I'm walking 
curb and she's got my arm Come on, take me home, please, it ain't that far I gotta stumble home, yes, I gotta stumble home Who stole my lighter? I can't find mine She's looking in my face, talking about the time Now, baby, I don't know, no, I don't know No, 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 because I'm standing on the corner with the empty beer And there's a big gun to get the hell out of here, you gotta stumble home something of big something i've asked around if he's done a solo set at big what but i don't know if that's the case but like the brock butler style or um john gutwillig who just did one up in philadelphia waffle cottage that was real good you that know, would some- be jefferson waffle the lighting designer of umphreys mcgee also oh, if you listen to the show friend if you listen to the show you know he is the big go there check it out if you're anywhere near north carolina Man, it's kid friendly too. There's RV camping. There's all different kinds of camping. There's packages. hammock camping. Hmm? There's hammock camping. There's theme nights. Yes, this they is... do. They do. I would be surprised if they did a surprise set. This is a blast. I guess I w- we would be surprised, but I wouldn't be surprised. You know what I mean? I wouldn't be surprised that we're surprised. They tend to debut new material there and stuff like that. But anyways, let's get back to earlier. <laughs> we were talking about how. Um, RJ and his crew were kind enough to uh, include us because I was all the way up there in Jessup, Maryland when they did the first one and and I wasn't invited over there. Well, but I could they like you over the phone. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe Tom was there and they're trying to keep me away from Tom. Maybe they think I'm a bit more of a freakazoid fish fan than I am. I love and respect them. But well, they might have talked to uh, he ain't Robert Hunter, but I do love and respect them. Um. But anyway, we really, we got to the second set. See, here's what I planned to talk about the second set. And then RJ texts me and says, by the way, we didn't get to talk at the break. So why don't you talk about the first set too? And then we get on the air and he starts talking about the last night. So I have all these notes mostly on the second set. And we ended up talking very little. And ended up we ended up getting all of a sudden Dwyer was like, and then that second set. And then I don't know. It just seemed uh, rushed at some point. 
But uh, Soul Planet, here are my notes that we never got. Ladies to. and gentlemen, Rob's notes on Soul Planet. All caps, aggressive grand from Paige. Wild, what? Wild, what are you saying? Well, what are you I'm just letting me? you know that the person that's coming into the studio is saying they'll wait until we're done. That's very nice. Well, that was very nice of her. <laughs> Wild tray effect. Delay combined with something at stop start toward the end. Spontaneous overdrive late in jam. Settled very l- naturally into sick at disc era kind of feel for a bit. Kind of floating along. How about these? Isn't this this is this kind of stuff I write down when I'm reviewing stuff, Seth? Some seemingly to me new sounds out of page there. Mike sets framework for next funky section, classically quirky bass lines. They eventually settle into something that almost sounded composed. Again, seemingly in- initiated by Gordon pattern. When jam resolves with force, the trusses are back to symmetry. That's the one thing that really got me. I hadn't seen Corota, and we got to sit down. Can we get him again, Seth? Yeah. Because the trusses seem to move more. They seem to get more asymmetrical as the music gets further away from structure. So he seems to try to, try to time bringing them back together. I wonder what the timing on that is. Because remember, like it was three seconds with the other. And that must be like, all right, he's got to now think 20 seconds ahead of time. <laughs> and this is why I don't agree with the f- more hardcore fish fans. Although I generally defer. Okay. Because I don't know the band as well as these younger people who see him a lot now. But it seemed to me that that soul planet was inordinately expounded upon at the end because Kuroda kept bringing the trusses back and they kept going further yeah, out soul into planet, the jam. Listen, Soul Planet is their fuego of this season, of the summer. I mean, if you remember how they would stretch out fuego a couple of years ago when it first came out. Now, so when I first heard Soul Planet, I was just like, all right, you know, it just it's a very easy to digest song, uh, and it kind of reminds you of a couple other songs. But then it's like it's the setup for what soul planet really is. I hadn't really heard the Trey versions. And then I heard the new year's one. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. They did a new one. It was terminal West when Trey did miss you. Soul planet. Mm, yeah, it wasn't that's there. when the song got, me. but you know what though? I'll never be able to have to miss those again, but that, you know, he's in town for a memorial, the very close friend of his. He has all these people right, who right. are at the show who are attending the memorial. That song will never seem cheesy to me ever. I don't care. The ocean is love. Fuck you, people who cr- well, criticize. Yeah, yeah. The ocean is love. When you, you stand on the edge of the ocean, it seems beautiful and endless, but there are evils and it can be deadly. It is The ocean is totally love. Did you listen to uh, any of the um, fish radio? Oh, or God, the, yeah, the, a bunch. So some of the ashtray stuff was, I, I picked up a couple of it. And, and uh, some of the stuff, though, you know, you talked about how, like, he'll... You know, he would write a song. He would miss you, and he's looking at the uh, photo, and he talks about, you know, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, I miss the photo, fo- whatever, the photo, and the, you get my point, the lyric. But how some of the lyrics come to him, and, you know, so some stuff is always it's like, I've never listened to Fish as a lyrical band. I always listen, you know, more of a lyrical rhyme and joking kind of stuff, you know, but some of the stuff coming out is more sincere. And I think Ari of Jam On... did a good job. I think he found his groove, because quite frankly, when Ari's interviewing on his own, Sometimes it's tough to take. I don't think he's the best interviewer. But he, when he's selecting from a, a series of questions that he's been given, he did an excellent, yeah. excellent job. Jumping right in, right away with the tones. And then he, and he also... That was the, no, no, I don't want to block gloss over this. You start Ask Trey. You're in the middle of the summer of 2018 tour. And you get right into the tones because that is, it, 
the most impactful thing on this band right now. Yeah. So that was so great that he got right into it, and you got Trey's enthusiasm, and he talked about the third night of the gorge, and he talked about how he can move from one sound to another more right. effortlessly. And, and, and why? And that and changes the, yeah. everything. Yeah. And so. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. 2009, 2010, you heard stuff, and they were sloppy, and they were sloppy. 2003, 2004, oh, God, it could get ugly. Even, even 99, 2000. Nowadays, some of the stuff that you're hearing you may be interpreting as slop may just be Trey not finding his new tone for the song, for the song now. Do you know what I mean? And I noticed that tonight. Tonight was the free Raleigh night. And I noticed that on, on some of the stuff in, in the first set, if I, could, if, I could, if I had a brain cell I could remember. What did they play right before more? I don't know. I was waiting for you all night. Waiting all night. I was at Amanda Shires. What a great show. Who's that? Amanda Shires. She just played the Variety Playhouse. She's a brand new CD out. That's wonderful. She played a bunch of stuff off of it. Something about the sunrise. Till the sunrise, maybe. I also saw Patty Griffin again, who I reviewed in Relics. And you're going to see Branford Marsalis see Branford at the brand new venue in Sandy Springs. But, uh, But... Patty Griffin, I just love her. I got to see her at the up in Natick. Do you know the the Disco Biscuit show that I put on that they played Hot Air Balloon way back in '99? Mm-hmm. That was the Center for the Arts in Natick. It's now around the corner. It's a little bigger, and I went there for the first time in 20 years to see Patty Griffin. It was great. And he, and he started digging to, uh, up. Uh, it's like I'm pretty sure I left it in here. Thank you to Ken at Big Hassle. I can't wait. She's been doing this new material. She's she's going to be working on a new album too. See, she is one of the best female singer songwriters you can see today. When I was on the, put it this way. Put it I, that way. When I was on the road with John Shane in Europe, mm-hmm. one of the places we stayed in was in Switzerland. It's a, a love a, Switzerland. This couple, that actually no, I think they were Netherlands. They were in the Netherlands. This couple that had pulled themselves out of the corporate world and started their own music venue. And one morning, the husband and I were up early in the morning drinking coffee, talking about music, smacking asses, you know. And I had right to days. ask him. I said, I had to say. Who is the, you know, you must, you guys must have an artist you bond over. You must have a favorite. And I'm waiting on Dylan, Van, Neil Young, and no. They're like John Shane. It was Patty Griffin. They oh, both yeah. love Patty Griffin. They had an encyclopedic knowledge of all their material. Is Patty doing the uh, Brandy Carlisle uh, Girls Want to Have Fun event in Mexico? I don't know. I don't know. She's a tough get, though. I mean, she's big. I think she is. I think she is. You know, nothing against those other artists. They're, they are, too. But it's just Patty Griffin is... um. I don't know. And her guitar player who used to play with... I always wanted her to play with the band Cake. Then it'd be Patty Cake. That would be a good bill. <laughs> her guitar player used to play with... um, um, What's his face? I don't know. Oh, my God. I'm blanking. He's one of the great ones. Well... Sorry, Patterson Hood? Oh, he's got a... a what's the guy who used to play with Patterson Hood? Maybe you play with him. No, you're thinking of John Keane. Oh, damn it. Read my review. What about Isbell? What about Isbell? <laughs> Does he play with Isbell? Jason Isbell's doing quite well. I hope he comes back. Oh, he is coming back. He's playing after a baseball game or something. Should I go to that? You want to go to that? You know what? That'd be a home run. (sighs) All right. Well, if you've stayed on this long, again, review us on iTunes. (laughs) You people who turned us on, just just forget we exist. Matter of fact, if you actually listen this far. If you turn uh, us off. If you turn us off, don't review us. Email insideoutwtns at gmail.com and I will send you something. Ask Seth I'll send you something. I'll send you a big something. Yeah, I just got divorced, folks. But they, <laughs> listen, you know, you heard it here. You heard it first. It's fresh. It's just a roller coaster. But I'll be seeing a lot more shows. So I'll see You're you. Be seeing at, Seth around more people. See you at the show. <laughs> and I'm going to be moving back inside the perimeter in Atlanta. And look out. Yeah. Well, two single podcasters. Oh my god.
All right, let's. All right, thanks for listening. Oh, oh no, um, oh no. We're gonna play three songs here. Three? The show. Hold on, whoa, whoa, whoa. Three songs. I want to make it clear. I knew it was three songs. I would have shut up hours ago. <laughs> um, the flood, first. The flood from big something. Mm-hmm. These are all from Truman West that same night, and that is the flood is with the uh, our 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 boys on horn. I didn't even mention Martin how Bell. funny big something was at uh, one at um, Panic in the Playa. We did this uh, beer factor with them hilarious and they were pouring tequila down everyone's throats in the next song the foundation voodoo visionary the other new one that they played at terminal west and then we end with we end where our first big something interview began on the hotel pinky's ride we talked oh about, yeah we talked about pinky so we end this episode with pinky's ride and also because it ended the second set and it was awesome thank you big something thank you jennifer fowler you're very good at your job you kept uh, you kept things on point and you were very very good and um Hope to talk with the boys again. And of course, thank you, uh, Josh Thane, Josh Thane Productions, Harris. Oh my goodness, did we not thank Sully and Josh? Damn we, it. Thank you, Josh. We thank always you, save Sully. the best for last. Come on. <laughs>
everybody. My man Ben, my man Martin, side chick horns, y'all.
so much, Atlanta. 